Hi there, friend. Welcome back to the Unschool Files podcast. You are listening to episode 29. I'm your host, Megan, and today I'm going to share a conversation that I had with a fellow unschooling mama who was living in Dubai, and I was able to catch her right as they were packing up their life to relocate. We had some honest moments, uh, some emotional moments of resonance uh, of the early childhood years and how challenging they can be for some of us. And we talk all things unschooling and children adjusting to fit the adult gaze. I hope that you grab something warm to drink and you find a cozy place to sit because this is a good conversation. Join me in welcoming Fran to the podcast. Welcome, Fran, to the Unschool Files podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited. I was really excited when you reached out, um, and I went to go over and see what you were about, and I noticed that you are living in Dubai, um, yes. and you're unschooling there. So what's your relationship to unschooling and self-directed learning and Dubai? Uh, okay. Uh, my relationship with Dubai is just that we moved here uh, three and a half years ago um, uh, due to my husband's job. So that's kind of it. I didn't really have a relationship with it before that. Um, and unschool- well, unschooling has been around in my life for a lot longer. Um, so I was reading, I think I was reading John Holt's books when my daughter was, when I was pregnant with my nine-year-old. Uh, who's my first. So uh, it's been around in my life for a while, but we didn't start uh, officially home educating until one and a half years ago. So when COVID hit here, uh, the, all the schools closed and my my children were going to school at that point. And um, they started doing the online learning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'd been wanting to home educate forever basically uh and so i just thought okay this is this is my chance basically <laughs> and so we went for it so what kept you from home learning prior to the pandemic um so i mean it's it's quite complex uh, but i'll try and make it brief so i sort of we started off with the intention of of homeschooling uh, and specifically unschooling, because that was what I was reading at the time mm-hmm. um, and sort of exploring. So my eldest actually didn't go to school until she was almost six uh, when she went to like a Montessori preschool mm-hmm. um, at that point. Um, so so the intention was there. But I think because my my second, uh, my son was just uh, he, it was he was just a really challenging child um and uh and i just was not coping with it very well um and i think i didn't have the tools at that point or the support to really like um yeah to really manage two kids at home and so that's essentially why she went to preschool because i felt like i wasn't giving her the attention she needed wow i think um uh, it's really i'm sorry did you want to continue no, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say that um, little bit of candor is um, much appreciated because I think it's very difficult to speak about the challenges of parenting 
Mm. from from infancy on I mean sometimes just the infant stage is very very challenging and difficult and they may not be a challenging baby they may just be being a baby but um as they age and get older and things become more complicated it it can be really really hard and can feel so isolating and lonely when you feel like you don't like what you're doing or you can't seem to get it right or you know your personalities aren't meshing and to speak on that I think is going to give parents a sigh of relief so I appreciate that so much yeah thanks I mean I uh, that's how I felt and I felt like I didn't have the um uh yeah the support around me I didn't have the knowledge or the information at the time to really know how to do it yeah uh you know how to home educate with two kids and especially with one child who uh had you know a lot of needs Mm um and so yeah so that you know, that seemed like a good thing to do at the time. Like it really seemed like the best thing to do, honestly. And then, so, you know, once you're in the, once you're in the school system, you really get sucked into it. Like, even though I was never like, yeah, I always felt, I always had reservations uh, because my heart was always in, in home educating. So that was always, you know, there in the back of my mind. Uh, and I was never super happy with any where they went to school. But um, once you once you start, it's <laughs> you know you're in the system. It's like, kind of hard to get out. Pull them out. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. So then I sent my son as well. And honestly, I need I just needed that year of like having some time to myself. I was completely just exhausted. I was probably not doing so well, mental health wise. Um, and then we moved again, um, and and then I sent them to school in our when we moved here to Dubai, uh, you know, because that seemed like the thing to do because mm-hmm. they'd been in school already. Um, and then I uh, I was ill, uh, so there was a year where I was very ill. So I was kind of glad to have school because uh, you know I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, yeah, so it's just, it kind of, you know, one thing led to another yeah. in a way. And then when COVID arrived, obviously, it's been awful for so many people. Um, but uh, for us, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like, we can do this now. Yeah, so would you say that the pandemic um, didn't necessarily negatively affect the ability to unschool, but rather the opposite for you, because you could totally unplug and um and and really just kind of meet whatever was happening right where it was at Mm. yeah I mean for us it was it was that like I obviously I know you know we all know that it's been terrible and I don't want to say that it's been a good thing um at all uh for anybody us you know not for us either but uh it did kind of give me the push that I needed at that point um and overall it hasn't been so bad you know we've been lucky because we are here and they've managed it quite well yeah um and uh yes and people's lives uh here have not been impacted as uh drastically as in other places like italy where my my parents live for example i see um yeah so uh, you know so yes and obviously the homeschool scene has been difficult yeah uh, because we're not allowed to meet still. yeah and we haven't been allowed to meet for a year and a half you know officially 
Yeah, so I think it's really sucks. challenging. That that's the most challenging part for us. Um, mm. Some some things were. I think there are layers of experience to this, and there were definitely um, some silver linings, like getting to like stop moving for a bit and realize how much I was moving and how much I had going on and how many plates I was spinning at one time. But yeah. again, like you said, that wouldn't call that necessarily good for me or anyone. It was just one of those um, one of those little silver linings, but. Overall, just kind of not having access to community um, and all of that just being like sucked away. There was a deep period, I think, of mourning. And um, I chatted about this with a recent guest about that really unschooling, providing the space to do that, to just mourn, um, to process what we were seeing and feeling and um, and to go through it without having to log in somewhere and, you know, do whatever you had to do. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't, uh, oh, let's just keep going through the motions, you know, like, yeah, do your online learning, mm-hmm. like keep up with your, you know, subjects or whatever. It was, it was very much what you said, like a period of like true downtime. Yeah. Um, and for us, that was huge because, you know, it wasn't easy to, like it wasn't easy for especially my eldest um my daughter to um leave school Mm. um she was the kind of child who actually does quite well in school Mm. um as in you know academically well Mm -hmm. um but and I think she was not thrilled uh initially (laughs) about home educating but I just said um you know let's just give it a year mm-hmm. and um and it was a year of like true de-schooling like for me but also for her because she was sold on school yeah um and it's, it's just been amazing like the just the sort of journey that like I've you know been through this this year and a half and I'm still you know it never ends as you know um and um and but also what she's processed you know in this period of time it's yeah it's been really interesting yeah would you say that um it kind of just fell right into place all of the reading um you had been doing and just learning about self-directed learning would you say that all kind of fell into place when you were able to just finally apply it or did that feel challenging no it was so hard i mean I thought when we started I was like I am so on top of this like I am I know everything about unschooling I've read all the books like you know I've I've been waiting for this moment Mm -hmm. you know I'm gonna apply it now it's gonna be amazing um Mm -hmm. but actually it was just it is I realized that it's not enough to be intellectually you know sold on a, a concept it's like a whole other <clears throat> excuse me thing to like actually practice it right yes and um, and to be emotionally like invested in it and live it every day um I mean it was totally different and um and it was so challenging it was almost like starting again you know and yeah. going back to reading and and kind of finding a support network and um finding reassurance you know in moments when 
I was like, oh, goodness, like, this is not going well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it was not, not at all easy. Nothing fell into place. I, I mean, now, a year and a half into it, things, things are beginning to fall into place. Yeah. It takes some time, though, doesn't it? You have to, like, really settle Mm. into not talking so much um, and kind of hanging your responses back and listening for a moment. And and it's not just listening to what they might be saying, but also what listening to what your inner self wants to respond with first um, to try to check that. (laughs) Yes. And and I mean, I didn't realize that that's what it was uh, until I was doing it. And until it wasn't going well, yeah. You know? And until my kids were telling me it wasn't going well, um, and and like and and I feel like I have to be honest about the fact that I'm just not like a born unschooler. Like I'm not. Uh, it none of it comes easy to me. Like it all makes sense intellectually, but actually none of it comes easy because my. Um, my childhood and my background are so utterly different. Yeah. Uh, I like the opposite. Uh, and the way I've been leading my life uh, up until, you know, quite recently, like 2018, I would say, is is really different um, to the way, you know, that things have been going more recently. So, yeah, there's been, there have been so many adjustments. Um, I think it's important for people to hear that it's not necessarily easy or doesn't come naturally to everyone who's doing this Um, because it's true. It, Mm. it, it really does. It's one thing to read all of the um, literature and theories and it's quite another to put it in practice. And I feel similarly um, that same kind of, uh, notion with attachment parenting and gentle parenting when my children were very, very young. And I didn't quite have language for what I was trying to do and what I intellectually knew what was more right for my child. But what my body would, was saying to do felt different. Like it was, and it felt shameful to feel like physical touch and affection didn't come natural and it didn't feel like I was supposed to do that all of the time. And it was because I didn't necessarily have that. And so it was challenging to make this thing happen that I knew was right for them. But physically, it wasn't necessarily my body's intuitive response to like lean in and, and cuddle closer. I, I almost had a response to kind of like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate with that, actually. And I think that's just maybe the way I was brought up or right. maybe it's something that's so ingrained you know de- and, and just is passed down through the generations right yeah that it's it's hard to then decide that actually you're not going to be that person anymore. yeah um it's a whole process absolutely and it's quite a dance and I think keeping yourself committed to doing it um and checking yourself when you're wrong and like being okay with a you know, accepting the critique of your, your community and your family when you mess up, which is so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the moment when we sort of, things started turning around for us is when I actually started listening to what my daughter specifically was saying, because, uh, you know, for 
at the very, you know, when we first started off home educating, it was very much like I thought I knew what I was doing and and I was quite opinionated about it. And she just didn't agree. You know, she she was like, okay, we're trying this. It's okay. Like, it's a pandemic. Nobody's going to school anyway. So she was okay with it. Mm-hmm. But she she was, you know, we had lots of conversations where she was like, no, I like school. Like, I want to go back. Like, school is great. Um, and, you know, in th- those conversations, instead of listening to her and, be, and being like, okay, um, and being curious about it, I was like, well, no, it's not like that because school is blah, 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 mm. blah, and all the things I thought it was, right? Um, <laughs> so uh, I think the, the moment where things started to turn around was when I was like, do you know what? Um, that's really interesting. Like, tell me about it. Tell me about the things you'd like about school and uh, we'll share opinions and you don't have to agree with me you know, and you can have, you can want to go back to school in a year's time and I will get behind that and you're your own person. And I think it was such a huge moment where I was, I realized that actually I hadn't parented the way I wanted, I thought I was parenting. Mm. Um, I, yeah, and from then on it's been, so interesting and I've you know she's nine my daughter so I can speak to her about these things and I can say look there's a lot of things I did and said in the past that like actually I think were maybe not the wisest things and I'm trying to make that better now Um, I love that she understands that yeah I find myself uh, telling my children that too pretty often Mm -hmm. actually and um those little bits of control that I didn't realize I was trying to control all of these years they keep kind of popping up on like a case by case as it's you know relevant to whatever's going on in our life and I'm met with a new challenge where I'm like oh cool so I just groomed this whole thing to be this perfect unschooly bubble over here in this thing and now here's my middle child with a big giant needle coming to pop it and she's like boop I have something to say (laughs) um and she actually was was the one who wanted to go to school um, this coming year. She's, during the pandemic, also um, expressing interest in going to school. Kind of for the first time, she did a couple of months of a kindergarten and cried nearly every day. And it was such a struggle um, and hasn't been back to school since. But is really longing, I think, for community. And one of the things that stood out in how she approached me with, hey, I think I want to try school was this apprehension and almost like, please don't be disappointed in me because I know that we think that school is bad. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. Is that what we think? Did I, did I just say that all of our thoughts are all that we think school is bad? Because if that's the, if that's the notion that we're all carrying around, I think that I might've miscommunicated something along the way. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's being able to be met with with that pushback and then kind of having to swallow it a little bit and then maybe owning that you didn't communicate entirely what you meant. Um, or maybe you were just having a day that day where you were just really angry that school even exists. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Kids know that. Um, but I think very sensitive 
children like they I mean all children maybe but in particular I think like very sensitive ones they pick up on things you don't even have to say those things like they pick up on like the way you the face you make when Mm -hmm. someone says something or when you read something uh and then from that they sort of like glean you know this uh you know give it a significance right right so uh you've got to be quite careful and and also I guess listen right when they come to you with things like that like what your daughter said right we we don't like school or right yeah or what my daughter was um you know also saying to me but um (laughs) but ultimately I think uh it was actually quite good that they tried school I mean my son was always you know as soon as I took them out he was like hooray like this is the best day of my life (laughs) um (laughs) and he hasn't looked back um so he kind of slipped right into it uh but then again he only did like um preschool so he and that's supposed to be fun times Yes, but it wasn't. <laughs> no, not for <laughs> for him. And it was supposed to be a fun time for mine too, and it just wasn't. <laughs> no, I mean it just even if they maybe play or it's play based, um, it's just for some kids it just isn't fun because there's always an element of like micromanaging, mm-hmm. and now we can stop. Now we stop this and start this, mm-hmm. you know. And I think my son doesn't do well with that. Um, and you know he's very wriggly and he needs to move and he's loud uh all those things um but yeah and but I think ultimately it was good that they tried I mean I'm not gonna say it was good they tried school but I I can see a purpose to it now because um they know what it is now and so actually if they go back it means I mean they sort of know what they're going back to in a way um and um and also my daughter's completely, I mean, she is like number one proponent of unschooling now. So she's like a completely... That's funny. I was going to um, ask, do you anticipate school being chosen at the end of the year? Oh my goodness, no. They, but neither of them wants to go. <laughs> um, no, they're, they're just like, no, no, we don't want to go ever again. That's fantastic. Um, so the biggest proponent of school has been converted. Yes. So I have actually converted her, but I have, but not on purpose. Like I didn't, I feel like I tried to initially, you know, I tried to be like, yes, you need to think this. But then I realized that there was really no point and she had to either get there on her own or not, Mm -hmm. like, and just be her own person and do her own thing. And Mm -hmm. then, and then she did sort of get there. (laughs) So, um, but, and it's not that she, you know, Right now, she's saying she never wants to go back to school, but who knows, right? I right. Mean, she might want to, and, I'm, and I'll always be open to hearing that. Um, yeah, I think that's important when partnering and power sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the adult gaze. You made a post on Instagram that nearly everyone in every unschooling circle I know was either sharing or... <laughs> commenting on or liking um and I thought maybe you might want to talk about that a little bit oh sure I mean yeah it really resonated um which I loved and I was not expecting (laughs) um (laughs) but um I guess I was kind of inspired I've been doing a a course on feminism 
and we were talking about the the male gaze um you know which is the way that things that men project on women or the way that men see women or conceive of women right Mm -hmm. um and so i thought well that's what adults do with kids as well um and it just makes so much sense to me um to and and you can sort of frame so much like you can it helps you uh frame a lot of things if you think of them in through the the sort of adult gaze like paradigm i don't know if i'm making any sense now but like we know they're aware uh most children are aware that adults have ideas and expectations of how children are supposed to behave, how they are supposed to look, how they are supposed to talk, what they're supposed to learn, how they should respond, what politeness they should use. Um, And children almost kind of adjust themselves and morph themselves into what they believe adults want out of them. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it's also because, and it can also be taken literally in the sense that like, we are always watching, mm, yeah. you know, there's always an adult, like, watching, hovering, mm-hmm. um, internally judging, or even verbally maybe judging, mm-hmm. and assessing, evaluating, um, coming to conclusions about whatever a child is doing or being or mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, if I don't feel like I, as an adult, live my life like that. I don't feel like there's anybody... I mean, maybe as a woman I do in some ways, right? Mm. I sometimes feel like... Feel the male gaze, you Mm. know? Like you feel like um, you're being judged Mm -hmm. for being a woman. In some instances, but Mm -hmm. overall, in my life, and I've been lucky and I, I also hold a considerable amount of privilege, so there is that. And mm-hmm. I have to acknowledge that. But um, I don't feel like I go about my days and feel like I need to conform to something or mm-hmm. like I'm constantly being assessed and evaluated um, and judged. Whereas if you're a child, um, I mean, in school, you know, obviously that's what happens all the time. Uh, you're always being watched. Um, told what to do or not to do and and it's not even just the watching it's the constant like feedback Mm -hmm. on everything that you produce right or everything you say or do Mm -hmm. and it's not that only the negative feedback but also the positive feedback uh, which is you know unsolicited right and that informs how children decide what is safe to be in the world because yeah if if it's not safe to um show up at school identifying as a male with a full face of makeup on you're going to be telling yourself that even though you want to do that not to do it mm-hmm. because it's not accepted by the people around you and that could be like a a, a huge life changing experience for a human being yeah Huge, actually, and I, Very and I have to say that, yeah, and I and I have to say that that I noticed it in my children, especially my son. Actually, when he did start school, um, not so much his preschool, but more when he started school here in Dubai, that um, he, you know, before that he was felt really comfortable like wearing all sorts of dress up, 
Mm -hmm. you know, any sparkly dresses, ninja costumes, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, my daughter has some like play makeup that she uses and he, he loves he loved to have his nails painted and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he very quickly realized that actually that was not a thing that boys can do in public or talk about. Yeah. Um, and I and it wasn't from our family because we're quite open about all those things. So it was mm-hmm. definitely like I, I remember an, an instance when he, he sort of said to me, I was wearing lipstick and we were in, in the car and he said to me, you know, mommy, I really like to wear lipstick. And, and I said, sure, okay, like when we get home, we can, we can do that. And then he said, but don't tell any of my friends at school. Oh. I know. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, okay. This. That like shrinking um, because you just know that people won't accept you. That, no, that awareness of being other just for thinking of wearing lipstick. Yeah. That is in, just mind blowing. Yeah. And, and I think I shared on Instagram like uh, uh, something that sort of is related, which is um, that a few days ago he was. Um, so, you know, he, they haven't been to school in a while now. So he doesn't have that influence anymore. Mm. Uh, and it's been really positive in that sense, in the sense that he's felt much freer in terms of like having to conform to certain things. Yeah. Um, so uh, my daughter was using her makeup and she actually doesn't use it very much at all but there was just a day when she was and her friends were over and she was doing everyone's makeup and she did his makeup and then he came downstairs and and uh, a friend of mine was there and uh, and I said oh are you wearing wearing eyeshadow he was wearing like green eyeshadow or whatever and, I, and he's like yes and he sort of gave me a look mm. like oh like because he hadn't done it in the, mm-hmm. a year or something or longer so you know a look like to check whether I was going to be okay with it I mean he knows I am okay with it but my friend was there as well so I think he was sort of like oh you know and then my friend was like oh it, it you look amazing it really brings out your eyes and you could just tell like the relief yeah. like he just gave her this big smile and he was like thank you and like you know, because she's someone that maybe he doesn't know very well, and right. so he wasn't sure how she was going to react. I just love it that she could that she said that, and that it was like, oh, okay, yay, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like it was the opposite of what he had been feeling when he said that thing about the lipstick. Yeah, I think this this like speaks um, so much to how this work of progress in general and just moving towards collaboration of human beings is is for everyone and even people who are completely unrelated to unschooling this work is so much bigger than that and for adults to unlearn old ways try to practice those ways with um their new ways with friends and family and people they come in contact with and and dismiss that kind of old reactionary response of seeing something that is different or unique or something that you're not used to and instead meeting a child with something as simple as they look wonderful or maybe just um you know I love your energy today or or anything Mm -hmm. like that it could just change so much about the way children feel about themselves and 
how they choose to show up in the world and embody themselves in whatever identities that they um, identify as. And so it's just, it, I think it's, it's so much bigger than just parents and their children directly. Um, it's for everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it really is. And actually, I keep thinking that actually everybody should, like, de-school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, regardless of, like, who they are and where their children, whether their children are, you know, home-educated or not. But, um, but I do think that the word, like, de-schooling is, and maybe even the word unschooling is, like... Um, it can be really confrontational mm-hmm. um, to people. Uh, and I know we've got this word now and, and we're keeping it. And <laughs> I don't really have an issue using it, but I feel like the people who, you know, are not, um, you know... Uh, like maybe they don't want to just take on every possible thing that could be related to something that's anti-school. Exactly, exactly. And also, because it's really, I mean, de-schooling is about so much more than school. Right. Uh, and and it's not held in that word. It, you're the right. The word is restrictive in a way. I think it's nice to, um, to like, reimagine it in, in a way that is more, uh, you know, like a, as a collective movement, as a movement for... Uh, yeah collective freedom yeah um and awareness and consciousness um rather than just what it what it you know what I guess uh Lucy Aiken Reed would call the second wave of unschooling which is basically the the sort of John Holt unschooling which obviously is wonderful yes um but I feel like the tendency or where where it should be going (laughs) Um, is towards something that is more inclusive, that mm. is more about, not so much about uh, only your children's freedom or yeah. about the individual freedom of a person, but about the fact that we can't have, you know, if uh, I can't, I can't care about just my children's freedom if I care about freedom, then I have to care about everybody's freedom. Yeah. Um, I mean, that to me is huge. And I think the whole freedom thing, I mean, as a non-American, um, I've, I, to be honest, as a non-American, I've always been really baffled by, and my husband's American, so I have a little, a little bit of insight um, into it. Um, and also, I'm, I should say, for, for like, you know, so that I'm not withholding information <laughs> that I am a naturalized American citizen. So technically, I am American. However, um, I never really, I've never really lived there, and I uh, am Italian, so I consider <laughs> myself Italian. Uh, <laughs> but I should just be clear about that. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, as a non-American, I just feel like the whole um, focus on freedom as like the main thing is. I mean, I never really understood it. Like it's not, uh, it's not really something that was a thing growing up. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that freedom isn't important. Of course it's important. Um, but what I mean is that uh, individual freedom is 
like freedom of the individual to do whatever they mm. like is a little bit um I don't know it's never really made that much sense to me because growing up it was very much about community and mm. family and um and not so much about like oh I should be free to do whatever I want but it was more about like caring for uh the people around you and um making sure nobody's um like left behind and or you know uh, I don't know like looking after other members of your family for example yeah um I don't know if I'm putting this very You are. Very well. I think you recently used um you used a phrase for that. I feel like you said it was called community of practice as a family. Oh yes. Oh my god. I loved that. I I actually discovered it yesterday. Yeah. Um communities of practice is a concept and now I don't remember who came up with it, but it's an anthropologist and uh someone else, two people. Um and yeah, I love that word because it makes complete sense to me. Um, and I always, and I always questioned like how you can how how you can unschool um, and not share a sort of culture with your children, like yeah. not share the culture around you or your values or um, yeah, like your language and your traditions or whatever you know. Because in a lot of books that I've read, you know, the more kind of traditional unschooling books it's very much about like let them do whatever they want and interfere as little as possible yeah, neutrality right yes neutrality and I think even there I mean and there's this like misconception that that is a lack of agenda mm. but I don't think it is because it's an agenda in itself like not having an agenda is, is an, an agenda, agenda. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so actually, everything is a construct. Even like not interfering is a construct. Like right. You can't get out of it. Yes, you're so right. You're so right. I'm actually kind of in the thick of this conversation right now in alternative learning centers, um, specifically in Sudbury, mm. in that there's multiple interpretations of how to um, approach the Sudbury model. Um, and one is like complete neutrality, hands off, you do not interfere or you interfere as little as possible. And the other is more community centered and um, sort of, I've heard some people use the phrase opens up the marketplace of ideas, meaning everyone in the community is sharing what they come to the table with, their musical talents, their interests, their political views, their religious affiliations. They are sharing all of that and they will find the people that, you know, they connect with on whatever specific, you know, thing that they bring to the table. Um, but recognizing that, I think, is an important aspect of that particular interpretation of Sudbury. And so for me, I feel like when you are almost... Um, staying so neutral and interfering so little that you're forcing yourself to do it. You're seeing moments where you could have a conversation about something or there's an opportunity to, you know, pick up a ukulele and, and show somebody next to you that you know how to play a song or whatever. Mm-hmm. Almost like withholding is almost coercive, I would say, because you're actually as the adult with this idea of this particular interpretation of the Sudbury model, wanting a desired outcome of them to be so bored that they find what truly lights them on fire 
and you're withholding what you could bring to the table that might influence yeah. them in some way, not in a coercive way, but in influence them in a way that could pique their interest, even if at minimum enough to go, I do not like the ukulele and get up and walk away. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, I agree. And also, if you're not influencing them, uh, someone else Who is? will. Yeah. And, and society will and whatever they're reading online will. So that's all influence, isn't it? And it, it, it is. counts, you know, it, it counts just as much. Um, and yeah, I love the idea of communities of practice because it's like, um, because, because I feel strongly about certain things and I feel like they do need to be shared, you know, things like anti-racism and, um, um, I don't know, feminism and other movements that are kind of, against discrimination and uh anti-oppression yeah and so i feel like our children my children need to know these things and um and, and other things and i feel like they also for example need to know about my my own culture mm-hmm. um like i feel that's important and like speaking italian for example is important for me mm-hmm. um but i don't want to teach like i always say that i don't teach um, and so the idea of communities of practice makes complete sense because we just go about our lives and we do the things that we do. And in the process of doing the things that we do, we share ideas and we have conversations yeah. and uh, we read things and we watch things. And that is how they learn. That is how they learn all that, that stuff that I might feel strongly about and the stuff that whoever is around might feel strongly about. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense to me. Yeah. I think the one, um, caveat to this, and I'm, I'm going to speak personally cause I don't know how everyone does this and what their interpretation of unschooling is in this way. But, um, I also feel strongly that those things are important and need to be shared. And I think at one point in time, I, I re- was recording with someone on the podcast and I talked about like the internet almost sometimes being so fearful for me because it is a place of so I can I call it like a cesspool of ideas sometimes because there can just be some of the darkest stuff there and the fear would come up in me as a parent that that information would present itself and if I wasn't combating that with other information that that would sink in as truth exactly what you you know had just articulated and I struggled with that because I didn't want to coerce my children into believing and seeing the world with the lens that I do. And so I kind of had to battle with where, where do I, where do I allow pushback and what, what do I do? And so I just decided to kind of welcome things they'd say or things they'd question about any one of those given very important topics to me. And instead of hearing it with ears of like, how dare you, you know, not want to <laughs> march in the streets for the for the freedom and the rights of other people. I would just hear what they were saying and go, okay, let me process what you're actually asking and answer that question and have a conversation about this versus like being fearful that they would stray from this thought of like humanism. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, yeah, I it's a agree with that <laughs> in the sense that you can't, it's, it's one thing to share ideas and it's quite another to like, be annoyed if they don't buy into it or if they don't believe what you believe. Right. You got to let them ask questions and push back and have them tell you, make it make sense to me. Make all of this make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we may not be able 
be able to, you know, piece together something that makes it make sense at that moment. And it's just a continued conversation, more practice. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And they, you know, they might grow up and they have other ideas. True. And that's fine. Um, But at least I've shared my opinion, um, you know, and at least there's been an exchange. uh, And we've been curious about each other's ideas. And you know, and they'll take what they want from it. And, you know, I'll never be like, you have to be this or you you have to be a feminist. Um, Yeah. As much as I might believe it, you know, they might not. And, you know, I think you have to, you just have to be comfortable with that. Yeah. And also I think children can smell coercion from 10 Mm -hmm. miles away. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So they know if you're being honest and authentic about a thing you're feeling and you really just want to share with them versus I really want you to believe this thing. (laughs) Totally. And they can, I mean, so it's funny now because now, um, uh, like I can, I can also kind of tell when someone's doing it. Um, (laughs) but I didn't used to be, but, um, they can totally tell when like they've asked you a question and it's like, what do you think about this? And then you've given them an answer. And then it's a very adult thing. You suddenly, there's a switch and you become this like voice of authority. Mm-hmm. And you just drone on about that thing they've asked you endlessly uh, and tell them things that they never asked in the first place. And they obviously switch <laughs> off and then they know exactly what you're doing at that point. And, I, and I've been very aware of you know, not doing that and just answering the question with like one sentence or two and then if they don't ask anything else yeah. just like you know stopping it's kind of uh, like the I advice other adults do it at times and I I'm like laughing quietly to myself yeah it's kind of like the it's kind of like the sex talk advice of only answer the question they asked and nothing yeah. more um, that way you're not bogging them down. I'm, this is a work in progress for me too. Sometimes I find myself just like womp, womp, womp on and on about a thing. And it's not because, um, anything other than I might know a lot about that particular thing and want to share it with them. And they are totally checked out by about 10 seconds in. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I mean, I do that too, but they're quite like, they, they hold me accountable a lot now. So they're really like, mom, like this is a rant now yeah stop yeah you know like so they will tell me to just like be quiet if I'm you know (laughs) I definitely some of mine will some of them won't some of them are like got it or okay like I hear that okay (laughs) um and sometimes it might be something that they really are trying to track and I'm watching their eyes as they're like okay okay I see where we're going with this nope you lost me I don't what are we what are we saying what advice are you giving me I don't know what we're doing (laughs) Um, it happened at dinner actually yesterday. My teenage son was like, mama's giving me the worst possible advice. She just told me one thing and then something that was completely opposite. (laughs) And I had to hear that and be like, I did, didn't I? My, my rambling gave you two totally, um, different ideas and perspectives and you walked away with nothing constructive. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I think it's great to, to like, that they can say that. Yeah. And that we can also be like, oh yeah, like. That's totally what I just did. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to have that exchange with my parents. Not because, you know, they were wonderful, but they, we just weren't there. You know, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to say, uh, you know, what you just said made no sense. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to admit it. 
Yeah. And I think if anyone is listening and still struggling with being able to admit being called out by your kids, you're not alone. Um, kids, kids are always, um, watching and, and seeing what we are doing and if we're living up to our words and it it can be challenging, but I invite you to, um, to be called out by your children. (laughs) Mm, Totally. And actually they do it a lot more now they're older (laughs) and I appreciate it because when they were younger, they didn't because they Mm. didn't quite realize that, you know, they're they're just younger. They're not thinking of that. Uh, but now they do and I really do appreciate it it's like it's good to get that feedback now you know and be like oh yeah that's that's what I did you're so right I feel like if if your kids can call you out that's an indication that you're doing something right something's going right for your kids to be able to call you out (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm going to see it that way (laughs) yeah well I'm 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 trying to imagine uh when that shift happened for us because I remember my my oldest when he was very young. Um, and honestly, until he was probably 10 or 11, I got a lot of, and I still get a lot of compliments from other parents of how well behaved he is, how polite he is, how well mannered he is. And he's always been, um, one to do very well academically in school, one who, um, very much could, uh, adjust himself to the adult gaze. And I didn't have language around that until you shared that post about the adult gaze. I didn't understand that that is what he was doing all that time when we just thought he was being, you know, what everybody said was a good boy. Um, He was really just kind of minimizing himself and making himself quiet and polite. And that's eye-opening to have my teenager now be able to sit across the table from me. And he's still a wonderful, wonderful young man. Um, But I'm open to him telling me, you literally make no sense. (laughs) Mm -mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's a, I have to say, like, with my eldest as well, I had those thoughts and that, like, I, you know, the whole going to school thing and also the way that, like, it took me so long to figure out what I was doing parenting wise um, meant that she was doing that a similar thing as well like she was uh um like minimizing like what you said minimizing herself and uh trying to please yes and really living under that the influence of that adult gaze and trying to uh come out with something that would be positive and liked and uh praised yeah right so she did that at home and she did that at school and she did that um out you know with uh, you know friends or family Mm -hmm. and whatever and uh yeah it's been interesting to help her like sort of um yeah unlearn that in a way and there's still I mean you know there's still I think all of us I think I was a lot like that as a child. So I think as an adult, I still, uh, it's, so I'm not making very much sense, but I've, I've internalized that. Yeah. So I internalized that as a child. And so as an adult, there are a lot of things that I do yes. or that I did until quite recently that are, uh, due to the adult gaze. Yes. So it stays with you. It does. Uh, it doesn't just end when you become an adult. Yeah, it stays with you. I I have a similar experience. It causes me to apologize a lot. <laughs> it causes me yeah. to um, try to take on way more than I'm physically capable of. 
um, because that is what gets you noticed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you know what I was thinking as you were saying that about your daughter, could that be why she loved school so much? Because she actually thrived in the ability to okay. meet the moment, to meet that gaze and do well at it. Yeah, totally. But she understood the system and she could yeah. play it, like not in a kind of negative, you know, like she's playing the system, but like she, she, she just knew got what it. the game was. Yeah. Yeah, she could do it. She was one of those kids who was like, okay, this is what, you know, what school wants. I'm going to give it to them. And yeah. I'm really good at giving it to them. <laughs> but, well, yeah, she was. And and um, and that is so harmful. You know, yeah. it's not just the kids uh, who are, like, problem. And I, I'm saying that, you know, not as a, a real, um, you know, they're not problems, obviously, but considered like problem kids in school. It's not just those kids that like don't fit in in school or have trouble in school or whatever. It's also the kids that do really well Mm -hmm. um, that would benefit from not going to school. So true. So true. I think about that when homeschooling parents tell me like, oh, they, they they do really well with this. We, we don't need to try these other things because homeschooling, like school at home can sometimes mimic the same issues that school in a in a box with with public peers can do um if you're trying to you know make a mock school at home it can be just as oppressive um but I hear them say they're doing so well at it they do so well well doing well is not always an indication of them actually being well no no, exactly exactly it's very very different there's a distinction yes yes so before we wrap up I know you are moving soon um are you excited about your move oh I don't know I I, I'm so sad I'm so sad to leave Dubai I know it's got to probably be really challenging I've uh I've been watching your your stories as I get a chance and looking at all of your sunsets in Dubai and they're just Mm. lovely yeah Yeah, they are I mean I love it here and um excuse me um, but actually, uh, well, we're moving to the U.S., um, so that'll be fun, and yeah. it will be different. And I'm quite glad, uh, I'm quite happy to go somewhere more real. I mean, Dubai is a bit of a bubble Yeah. in many ways. We didn't but talk about I'm Dubai happy. much, um, and we probably don't have time no. to, but I am so curious about its yeah. bubble. It's a unique place. <laughs> It is. It's very, and, and it's great in so many ways, yeah. but I think especially with my age child, uh, it will be nice for them to be in the real world yeah. um, and surrounded by uh, a wider variety of people and uh, also in, this, in, you know, having an element of civil society, which is not really a thing here. Yeah. Um, in the sense that, you know, it will be nice to go to public libraries and, like, right. go to marches or, you know, campaign for things and, uh, you know, do things like that, which are not are not a thing here. Right, right. Are there other unschoolers in Dubai? Actually, surprisingly, there's a, a, huge, um, a huge number of homeschoolers and there are some unschoolers. And I think I was just very lucky that one of my friends 
friends pulled her kids out of school at the same time as me. Yeah. And they are also unschoolers, so, but they are only unschooling friends. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know, I like to say um, that unschooling doesn't mean we only socialize with other unschoolers because we're no, in the real exactly. world. But at the same time, it's nice to have support. It's nice for children to have other children who get the same uh, sort yeah. of lifestyle um and can do that together because it's it's it does sometimes feel lonely yeah i agree i agree the the community side of it is huge yeah definitely well where can folks find you um your instagram handle yes is uh at big mothering and do you have any other places that you'd like people to find you or contact you i have a blog uh it is called livingwithoutschool.com okay and that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, y'all. And thank you, Fran, for being with me, for sharing um, these moments with me, even in the middle of a great big move. Y'all go follow her on Instagram and check out her blog. She has some really thought-provoking words uh, that you're going to want to read. If you guys have any feedback, do feel free to direct message me or email me, or if you'd like to take a moment and wherever it is that you're listening, write a quick review or even just drop a few stars. That's going to help this community grow. It's going to help other people find us. I know that a lot is changing in the world and sadly, some things are looking the same, but my hope is that you find retreat in these conversations because they are truly self to my soul. So I just want to thank you for being in community with me, um, even if it is just tuning into these episodes. Until next time, stay kind to each other. Mm